Small disclaimer, there is some adult language in today's episode. Nothing gratuitous, but just a little warning in case you're listening with little ones. Truth time, I did not get started as a virtual assistant with any intention of it becoming a full-fledged business. I just wanted to earn a little bit of extra cash in the evenings while my kids were in bed so that I could supplement my husband's income. It took a long time before I felt comfortable actually calling myself a business owner because I was really treating it like a side gig for a long time, which leads to the question, does it really matter what we call ourselves? Licensed attorney and tax professional Braden Drake believes that it absolutely does matter what we call ourselves for many reasons. It can affect the way we manage our taxes, to the layers of legal protection we choose, to our money mindset. In this episode of the Support Squad, Braden is breaking down the basics of what service providers should know when they're setting up the legal and tax foundations of their business. If you've been totally confused about what you need to do to be legally and financially protected in your side hustle slash business slash hobby, this one's for you. You're listening to the Support Squad podcast, where virtual assistants come together to share their best business tools and tips. Virtual assistant for life coaches, Sharon Nissen, created the Support Squad with a firm belief in community over competition. Whether you're a new virtual assistant looking for advice on how to get started or an established virtual assistant looking to expand your skills and invite even more abundance into your career, you're in the right place. Working from home doesn't have to be lonely. We're in this together. Now, here she is, the host of the Support Squad podcast, Sharon Nissen. Hey, hey, you guys, welcome into the Support Squad podcast. Today's episode is so good because I know how overwhelming it can be to get the legal and financial stuff in place for your business, especially when you're just getting started and you're not really sure how serious you're going to be about your business. And we've got the perfect person here to, to take us through this. He explains this in the, the most simplest of terms. Um, so Braden Drake is a California licensed attorney and tax professional, also known as your gay best friend, here to help you get your legal and tax shit legit. Braden works primarily with service-based creative small business owners through his courses where he educates on contracts, business entities, cash flow, systems and taxes. I can't wait for you guys to hear what Brayden has to share. So let's dive in. Hey, Brayden, welcome to the Support Squad podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm thrilled to have you here because definitely, you know, I talk to new VAs all the time. The biggest questions that always come up when they're starting their business are the tax stuff and the legal stuff, which I know is just totally your zone of genius. So I'm so excited to have you on today. And before we get started into all your expertise, I would love for you to share just a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get into the online space and, and start on this journey that you're on right now? Sure. So long story short, I you know went to law school, graduated, took the bar exam, did all that. And then I also got my master's degree in tax law. And at the time, I already knew that I wanted to start my own business. And when I got started, a lot like everyone else, I honestly, I didn't know what services I was offering. I didn't know which industry I was helping, but I worked a part-time actually at West Elm, the furniture store, and got connected with a lot of interior designers and different creatives. So I started out by niching in the creative entrepreneur field. That's where I still am kind of today. I work with a lot of wedding professionals, graphic designers, but then becoming a course creator myself through online courses, that's when I really got tapped into the online space. So broadly, I work with 
coaches, creatives, consultants, and service providers in our industry. All the folks. That's awesome. Well, I know one of the big things you help clear up for folks is sort of like what to call themselves when they first get started. And I know a lot of VAs, like I, I remember for me, when I first started my business, I was just kind of like, definitely side hustling it. I was like, I had a few hours at night that I, when my kids were asleep, that I was, I was like, I could do a little side hustle. And then it's like, but wait, now I can see this as like a business. And some people get in and they're like, this is something I'm fun. It's fun for me. I'm good at it. It's kind of more of a hobby out of those things, a hobby, a side hustle or a business. Does it really matter? Like what we do end up calling ourselves? I think so. So yeah. my personal opinion is what we call ourselves has a lot to do with our money like our mindset, our money mindset, Mm -hmm. and also how seriously we take our businesses. So notice I use the word businesses. I think we should all call ourselves business owners. Like we own and run a business regardless of how many hours a week you're doing that. So part of this question of like, do you have a hobby? Do you have a side hustle? Are you a freelancer? Are you a business owner? It all has to do with mindset. But then the other side of it is, well, do those terms mean anything different when it comes to taxes and when it comes to legal obligations as well? Yeah. So I I totally agree with with what you're saying about mindset. I think um, so many virtual assistants, when they're not clear on things like that, or they're not confident in calling themselves a business owner, they end up charging lower rates and all of those things. Um, But then, yeah, let's get into a little bit like what it means for like the, the stuff that makes people scared, the IRS law stuff. What is it to the IRS? What do they want to see us call ourselves or what are the different ways we can navigate that? Yeah. So ultimately the IRS, like really the IRS doesn't care what you call yourself. They just want oh. your money, right? They want your tax. They want your tax. Right. They don't care about our mindset. <laughs> right. They don't really care about our mindset. They just want our money. And at the end of the day, like the question for them boils down to whether you have self-employment income because self-employment mm-hmm. income is taxed differently than other income. When we have self-employment income, we have to pay income taxes and we also have to pay self-employment taxes. So that's our share of Medicare and Social Security. So in the eyes of the IRS, if you have any kind of a hustle, if you're selling a product, you're providing a service and you're doing that with the intent to make an income, then you have self-employment income and you need to be paying taxes on it. The flip side of this is, is for most of us, it actually makes sense for us to consider ourselves a business for tax purposes as well because then we get to take all of our business deductions. Some mm-hmm. people shoot themselves in the foot because if you if you're just getting started and you've barely made very much money, people will report it as other income, but when you report other income, you cannot take business deductions. And the reality is for a lot of people in their first year of business, they might actually have a business loss. And so if you don't file as a business, then you're going to end up paying taxes on that income when you actually could have taken a loss and not even owe tax. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know that like some people, they think like, this is just kind of a hobby for now, like until I turn a profit, but you're recommending that right away, we're going in and considering ourselves as, as business owners, right? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you want to get an EIN, you're going to get a website, Mm -hmm. you're going to do all the things, all the things that you need to get clients. And then you're going to file taxes as a business owner. If you're a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, you do that on the Schedule C on your personal tax return. Yeah. And one thing I always like to tell VAs is that when when it comes to tax time, it's not really as scary and as complicated as they might think it is to file as a business owner versus file. Do you find that to be true, that it's not as complicated and scary as people might think? 
No. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people will hire tax accountants to do their tax return. That's always advisable, uh, yes. especially if you have any other tax situations going on. But if it's really, if it's just you and all you have is a small business and your business isn't making a ton of money, it's not all that difficult. You can file with H&R Block or with TurboTax and they're going to walk you through all the question prompts. Do you have advertising expenses? Do you have contractor expenses? You answer all the questions, you put in the numbers, not that difficult, uh, particularly if you already have your bookkeeping done. So for a lot of people, so you got to get your bookkeeping dialed in and then tax season shouldn't be all that scary. Do your bookkeeping, pay your quarterly taxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those quarterly taxes I know was something that I wasn't aware of when I first started. And I know a lot of new VAs don't, don't know as much too, but, um, can you tell us a little bit, just talk a little bit about what that means for, for like service providers? Sure. So when we have an employer, when we're an employee, our employer withholds our taxes, right? And they actually pay those taxes out to the government on a regular basis. And it's kind of like the way I always explain it to people is if you have a client, like you wouldn't be okay with your client just like paying you in a lump sum every March, right? You're like, no, I want my money now. Like I have stuff (laughs) to pay for. And the government's the same way, but they know that it's not like, it's not really reasonable for us or for them to try to be collecting taxes like every week or every day or every time we get paid. So they split the difference and they want your tax money on a quarterly basis. Now, my personal philosophy is that everyone should be paying quarterly taxes. So I don't like to get into the weeds of like the very, very finicky rules because Mm. people just get overwhelmed. The main thing you need to know is that you're going to owe taxes uh, if you're making a profit in your business. So if you're business income is greater than your expenses, you'll end up owing taxes. And if you owe taxes, you should pay them on a quarterly basis. If you're not yet profitable, you don't need to worry about it. But it's still a good habit, even in the very beginning to get into a habit of setting aside like, if nothing else, like 5% of all of your income just to build, build the habit. Yeah, totally. And again, those habits play back into mindset too. When we do those kind of adulty things with our business, it makes us feel like we're running a real business and it makes us approach our clients differently and all that. It all comes full circle. Um, So that's kind of like the the tax stuff and all of that. And then I know there are legal implications too, when it comes to what we call ourselves, whether it's a business, a side hustle, a freelancer, all of those. Can you tell us a little bit about the legal um, implications of, of naming ourselves or calling ourselves certain things? Yeah. So when it comes to like, do you have a hobby or a business from the legal perspective, there's kind of two different things that we have to look at. So first is once we have a business, what are our legal obligations? So the things that we legally have to do. And then the other side of the, the other side is the things that we legally should do. So like, it's not against the law to sign a contract, like to sign a client without a contract, right? Right. Like no one's forcing us to have a contract, but we all know that we should do it. Mm -hmm. So Really, as soon as you start having clients, you need to look at your liability protection. We can talk Mm -hmm. more about that in a second. But also, uh, when it comes to our actual obligations, like what do we have to do that might look like getting a business license in your city. Mm -hmm. And for something like that, every city is going to have a different rule. Um, But for that, like, honestly, we can be a little bit more lax about it than we are with our taxes. So maybe you're going to like try out by being a VA for a little while, but you still need to treat yourself like a business and do your bookkeeping. But once you decide that like, you're actually going to get your website and you're going to put yourself out there into the market, then we probably need to get a business license and all those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that it's really easy. Uh, People get overwhelmed by that too. Like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? I always tell people just 
just Google like business license in my city and state. Like if you Google that, you can find a pretty, pretty clear answer. All of these things that seem so scary are usually a lot simpler than we think. And I know you talked a little bit about um, liability. What is, what, what advice do you have for virtual assistants as far as that goes? What, how do we protect ourselves and make sure we're covered there? Yeah, for every, for pretty much every type of business, I teach this concept that I call the the layers of liability protection. So I explained that liability protection, it's kind of like layers of clothing. The amount of layers is going to be very dependent on whether you personally are a warm person or a cold person, what kind of climate you live in, all these different variables. And generally speaking, the layers, the most important layers are insurance, contracts, and LLCs. Um, I call insurance and contracts the essential layers of protection. I think that you need to use a contract for every client. And I think every business has to have insurance. And then LLCs are always a great idea. But if you know, you're know you really strapped for cash, you can manage a little while without one. We can talk more about that too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think for some VAs, they just want to know, like if you could just briefly illuminate like the difference between an LLC or just operating um, like under your name or something like that. Yeah, so when we start a business, like our default is... I call it a default entity, but really it's a sole proprietorship is really the lack of an entity. So we form an LLC with our state. We form S corporation, a C corporation with our state as sole proprietorship is what we have when we don't form anything. Mm -hmm. And when we have a sole proprietorship, we're really just doing business under our own person. We ourselves are acting as the business. There's no separation between us and the business. And that creates a concern for liability because if anyone ever sues us, they're just suing us directly. And then our personal assets are on the hook. Once we form something I call a formal entity, which is, you know, really anything else that we have to take proactive steps to do. Now we're creating separation between ourselves and the business. So it doesn't totally get you off the hook because the reality Mm -hmm. is if you have a lawsuit, they're probably going to sue both the business and yourself, Mm -hmm. but ideally you can get yourself out of the lawsuit and then your LLC can shield your personal assets in the case that you have any potential legal issue. Yeah, that's really good to know. Just that, just to know the difference between operate. And I, I had never heard it explained that way before. That a sole proprietorship is a lack of an entity, and that makes yeah. me feel even more like continuing to advise VAs to establish an LLC or some kind of yeah entity for their business, so that they're not exposed in that way. <laughs> so that that was such good information. You make it so clear and like not scary. <laughs> so, well, I, I try. I also, <laughs> you know, I'm like about 190 episodes into my own podcast at this point in time. So right. I've explained, I've explained these things, uh, very many, very, a lot of time, a lot of times. That's awesome. So tell me more about um, you and like how people can work with you. Tell me about your podcast and about the different ways um, we can learn more because yeah, you really know your stuff. I'm sure my listeners would love to be in touch with sure. you. Sure. Do you allow swear words on your podcast? We might bleep it. I, I don't know. I always have goody two-shoe service providers, but sure. Yeah, you can swear. <laughs> okay, well, you can I, I swear it. personally, but I don't usually on the podcast, but yeah, you're welcome to. Yeah, we can we can believe <laughs> it if we need to. But yeah. um, my podcast is actually titled Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden, yes. asterisk for the U if you want to find it. Um, I don't swear like a ton on my podcast, but you know, if you're very adamant about your children, not hearing swear words, maybe you listen to it when they're not around. That's okay. Um, so that's my podcast. I have a book 
by the same title, you can find it at unfuckyourbizbook.com. And I'm always doing, I have like lots of freebies on my website. We're all in the online space. So you all know what, you know, know what freebies are. And I do online courses. I have a membership as well, but definitely uh, your listeners apparently already love podcasts. They're here listening to this one. I recommend that they start there. Yeah, for sure. And I know my listeners, uh, we have a lot of new VAs that are always trying to navigate um, this stuff. And, and we always, it's always great to have someone that can explain it in such simple terms. So I'm so grateful for you being to being with us today. And you guys, you can get all the information about Brayden and his book and his podcast and our show notes. And then Brayden, one thing I always like to ask my guests, um, just, I just want to know more about you. What's something about you totally separate from your business and your work that you enjoy doing like a hobby or or anything that lights you up or that you enjoy? Well, I have a lot. I have many, but right (laughs) now I'm actually training for my fourth full Ironman triathlon. So if anyone's familiar with what that entails, it's like an all day long endurance event and it is October 24th. Um, So I talk about that a lot on Instagram right now because it's kind of all consuming. Like today I have a 12 mile run after I'm done podcasting for the day. And that's just kind of like what my daily, daily routine is at this point. Did you say it's your fourth one? Yeah, this will be my fourth. I've done four marathons and this will be my fourth Ironman. And I also, I do CrossFit. So like that's lifting is fun for me as well. That's awesome. And then our Ironmans, is that the one where it's like biking and so, or I'm thinking more like a triathlon. I guess. Yeah. So an Ironman, a really an Ironman is technically a brand. It's a company, like it's a company gotcha. but okay. put on a triathlon. That's uh, it's a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride, and then a marathon run. So my goal time for this race will be under 12 hours. Um, I've done oh. 15 hours, 14 hours and 13 hours. So I'm trying to like cut off another hour again. That's incredible. I, I am not like a high endurance, like sports person at all, but I grew up, my dad was really into marathons. He did ultra marathons and we've traveled all over the country for that stuff. So I think it's incredible the, the discipline that goes into that. So that that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I found, I used to share about it on Instagram more. I have found that, um, my Instagram audience just really doesn't care. (laughs) They're not, (laughs) they're not that interested. Um, so I post more about this kind of stuff on my personal Instagram, but every once in a while, if you all want to follow my business Instagram, I do do share updates. And after this race, uh, my big goal is to qualify for the Boston marathon. So that's going to be my, my personal project for, uh, winter and spring. That's awesome. That's the big one, right? You have to get a certain time and all of yeah. that to qualify. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for sharing that with me. I love asking people that. And I love I love that you said I have so many because sometimes people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so it's really nice to, to see someone so has such a passion about something. So thanks so much for sharing that. And thanks so much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate everything you shared with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into the Support Squad podcast. Make sure to check out the supportsquad.com for the show notes for today's episode so you can get in touch with Brayden and learn even more from him. One way to step into true CEO, CEO mode in your business is to hone in on an in-demand niche. 
and the good news is that you probably already have the skills you need to make it happen. I created the What's Your Virtual Assistant Vibe quiz to help you discover which popular VA niche aligns with your unique skills and interests. You can take this free quiz to find which of the five key virtual assistant personas you already embody and get ideas for profitable specialties you can focus on that will use your natural skills and strengths. Take the quiz now at www.thesupportsquad.com slash quiz. That's www.thesupportsquad.com slash quiz.